0: Welcome to All The Things, with Monique Dusson from the Center for Biblical Unity and Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique.
1: Happy Saturday and welcome to All The Things. I am Monique Dusan. And I'm Krista Bontrager,
0: also known as Theology Mom.
1: This is Yes, this is true. This is the show where we talk about all the things related to God, the Bible, and real life. We are glad to have you with us this evening.
0: And also glad to have the one and only Bob Bontrager helping us out behind the scenes and doing his thing. Thank you so much. Also, our moderators tonight are Sylvia and Haley. Let's see if they're there. They are, and Elaine Voss is there too. Oh,
1: hello, hello. Welcome
0: to everyone. So let us know that you're watching. We know a lot of our normal listeners are probably at the Women in Apologetics Conference tonight. That's
1: happening right down the street from where we are in Anaheim. Yep.
0: But we are live tonight, so please do let us know in the chat that you are watching. It's going to be a great show, and you will definitely want to be interacting with us with your questions as we go along.
1: Yeah, make sure to like the show, share the show, give us a thumbs up, um, subscribe, hit that subscribe button. And tonight's show itself is brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity. And Impact 360,
0: the Theology Mom podcast.
1: Center for Biblical Unity. Yeah, I don't know what else it was. What, I, I'm, I'm I missed one. You said
0: it twice. Oh, I that's did? okay.
1: Okay, well that's all right. You know, so, Family and Clothing and others. Yeah,
0: but tonight we have a special fundraiser for the month of June. Yes, we're trying to raise a little bit of money here for marketing for our upcoming book, so you can be part of that. Now, this special T-shirt design. Of the promise of God's rainbow and the Noahic covenant is only available during the month of June. So you will definitely want to go check that out. So it's real easy. You can either go to the homepage, Center for Biblical and you'll see the shirt right on the homepage with the link, or you can go to backslash fundraising. Backslash that's CFBU. Very complicated. I know that's why I said yeah, just go, just to, go the, to
1: CFBU, go to, go to the center for Biblical and click on the merch page.
0: Yes, yeah. no, not on the merch page, oh, on the home page. Oh, on the home page, yes. yes, thank you. On the home page, yes, there'll be a big link to it and you can check it out. So it's a print on demand, so you will get it uh, when I close the fundraiser. So you will get it at the end of the month, but it's an awesome way to help support the ministry and to support our work uh, with our upcoming book. In fact, maybe we should um, give everyone an update about the book.
1: Sure. We have officially finished the book. We have sent it to the publisher. And so now we are waiting for edits to return, and we will enter into the editing process. But yeah, we're, we're the moving The edit along. and design phase. Edit and design. <laughs> we have a cover and all of that. So yeah. we're we're moving along. That's right. What else have you been up to? I feel like nothing that that's just the writing. I don't know. Well, what, what have you been up to? Uh,
0: i doing a lot of podcasts. I had three podcasts this week. Um, I did it. I've been doing a short series on Roman Catholicism on my theology mom stream. I did a two part series on Roman Catholicism, trying to help people think through that issue. And that got a lot of positive feedback about that. And then I did a special edition of the show of my Theology Mom podcast in honor of the Women in Apologetics Conference. And I did some reflections on my 30 years of working in theology and apologetics. And some of my reflections as a female working in a male-dominated field and uh, some thoughts about the way forward. And then I also, for the family meeting on Thursday, I did a teaching on the human rights campaign campaign index and why all of these businesses are queering themselves
1: yeah so check it out check it out you can check it out on our youtube page um and you can just look it up on youtube at center for biblical unity in case you're not on it right now i people have taken the month of june off let's just be honest yes i don't have any travel this month this is the one month of the year where i do not have any travel and i said bless the lord oh my soul And so, yes, I am. I'll do the family meeting. But aside from that, I'm writing or getting caught up on things that I literally haven't been able to do since we've been in our book project. But, yes, I'll come back around, people. I'm coming. I'm coming for you in July.
0: All right. So let's uh, talk about our show for tonight. We've got our friend, Dr. Harold Felder back. He actually joined us exactly two years ago. This month was the first time that we had him on the show. We had it on for our Juneteenth episode then, too. So maybe talk to us a little bit about um, just kind of the, the topic tonight and, and give us a little setup as to what we'll, we're going to be talking about.
1: Yes. So uh, I reached out to Dr. Felder. Gosh, it's been it's been some months now because I was reading and researching a lot about the black church and um, this idea that Christianity tends to be the white man's religion. It's the religion of the oppressors and things like that. And in my research, what I came across was an entire document of information that um, led to, to Christianity in Africa, which I knew Christianity had been in Africa before the slave trade, but I didn't connect the dots that many of, of, or I'll say a, a percentage of the slaves that came over from Africa actually had you know a understanding of christianity and so in looking at this document and the books that were linked on this document i asked dr felder have you heard of this that some of the the slaves african slaves that would have come over actually had you know some christian understanding or heritage to them and so that led him on a whole research project of his own from what I understand. And so I'm super glad to be able to have this conversation because I think that many of the um just regular everyday people who don't read or write about this would say, well, you know, blacks or, you know, the African descendants of slaves all came into contact with Christianity through the lineage of the slaves and slaves received it once they got to the New World. Yeah, then I think that isn't that- actually Correct.
0: And that kind of feeds into the idea of Christianity as a white man's religion. The only reason that the descendants of slaves or slaves themselves became Christians was because it was forced on them because of slavery. And so your question was wait a minute, had Christianity reached all the way into central and even Western like Africa. Ghana
1: yeah. and things like that, um, or the Congo. I knew, you know, we know about Egypt and we know about, you North, know, that North North East Eastern African corner. component. Yeah, yeah. but um, I did more research and looked at where Af- where Christianity had spread. And I was just very surprised to to see, you know, how far into Africa Christianity was at the time. Um, of slavery's beginning especially the the transatlantic slave trade so yes we can get Dr. Felder on and start talking about this yeah there he is hello oh unmute your mic if you will please
2: hey (laughs) here we go (laughs) now how you doing I'm doing great I'm doing great. It's so good to be back here. It's good to see both of you again.
1: And thank you for joining us. Now, for anyone who is unfamiliar with Dr. Felder, like Krista said, you can go back and um, become acquainted with him in the longer format by going to our YouTube page and finding our Juneteenth episode from 2021. But tonight, Dr. Felder, would you give us a brief introduction
2: as to who you are and what you do? Okay, so uh, for ministry-wise, I actually, um, I don't want to go too far back because in the interest of time, but I was an atheist who was a software engineer at NASA, became a Christian, um, started studying apologetics, actually moved to Charlotte, North Carolina to pursue a master's degree in apologetics, got my master's degree in apologetics, went back for a doctorate of ministry in apologetics trying to figure out what to work on for my dissertation, went to a Juneteenth celebration and saw a picture that sort of changed everything for my ministry. And it was a picture of a black baby being fed by a large spoon. The spoon was being held by a white hand and in the spoon were a Bible, the cross and chains. And I knew that that was not true. So that's when I decided for my dissertation to write my book, The African American Guide to the Bible. And I've sort of been on this quest ever since. I, I thought it was gonna be a one-time thing, but I just keep going deeper and deeper. And then, you know, I think I've exhausted what I want to study. And then something will come up like you, um, uh, Monique, you emailing me saying, hey, we're some of those people who came to America Christian already. I'm thinking to myself, Hmm, That's a very interesting question, considering that Christianity had never left Africa. So it made sense that that would be the case. So I started doing research and uh, like usually I was surprised at the stuff that I found.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation tonight. And when you were last here, we discussed a lot related to slavery in the Bible. And today we're going to still be talking about slavery but more in the american context so i think that you know i alluded to this in the opening that there is this stereotype that christianity is a white man's religion that that black africans who came here they came you know with their local religions african spirit spiritualism and that is really what it means to be a native African, you know, and that Christianity was something that was given to slaves to make them obey, essentially. Um, I Maybe l- give us a little thumbnail of the objection and a-, a little bit about how you go about answering that objection.
2: Well, first is the belief in there that Christianity is the white man's religion. And I hear that a lot, but the problem with that is, is it's simply not true. Christianity has never been the white man's religion. If we look at when Christianity started, it started at Pentecost, soon after the resurrection of Jesus. Keep in mind that at Pentecost, there were Jews from all over the world. There were Jews from Africa. There were Jews from the Middle East. There were Jews from, from Asia. There were Jews from everywhere in the, known, in the known world at that time. Out of these Jews who were there, there was the, the first church. When Peter preached his first sermon, 3,000 came to the Lord. That was the beginning of the church, and part of that 3,000 were people who were from all over the known world Jews from all over the known world so in the first day of christianity there were Africans as part of christianity but not only that if we read a little bit further we find that the first the first gentile meaning the first non-jewish convert to christianity was actually the Ethiopian eunuch who was who came to the Jerusalem came to Jerusalem to worship at the temple he was trying to understand the scriptures God actually performed a miracle on the apostle Philip to take him, transport him there to explain to the Ethiopian eunuch what he was reading. The Ethiopian eunuch uh, understood, asked uh, Philip to baptize him. He became baptized. He became a believer. He took his belief back to Queen Candace, who was his queen, which is, uh, we say Ethiopia, but it was actually the kingdom of Cush, at this point, it was it was called people call it Ethiopia, but it was what we call modern day Southern Egypt, Sudan, and um, Southern Egypt, Sudan. What is the other one right next to Sudan? Ethiopia, Ethiopia. So um, Queen Candace accepted Christianity, and uh, the the empire accepted Christianity, and Christianity started to grow. And by the fourth century, Christianity, much of Africa was Christian. And, you know, and I guess I'll go a little bit into, into more depth in this later on. But the, the point being that from day one, Christianity had Africans in it. So Christianity wasn't African religion then. And also keep in mind, well, Christianity never disappeared from Africa. Today, Christianity is, is rampant in Africa. As a matter of fact, there are more Christians living in Africa today than any other continent, and it is projected by 2050, there will be more Christians in Africa than Latin America and Europe combined. And and, and, and even, even in Asia, I mean, Asia Christianity is growing rapidly. There have been estimates that there are 200 million Christians in China alone. So the idea that Christianity is the white man's religion is simply false. That's good. And, and- I
0: I just want to point out, like if people have their Bibles, like just go to Pentecost, go to Acts chapter two, you're going to see right there, like Dr. Felder said, you know, that it says that some of the Jews that were there that day on Pentecost were from Egypt and parts of Libya, which is North Africa belonging to Cyrene. So we have, you know, it is from the beginning we see Africans there at the very foundation of the church. And so this is a very important part of our making our case that Christianity is not the white man's religion. So very helpful going through the early church. Some of the early church fathers were from North Africa. We've covered that in the past on previous shows. Um, gone into detail on those things, but that's a good, good thumbnail of, of the case.
1: So Christianity, we see entering into like the Northeastern region of, of Africa. I think by, um, we see Mark in, where's Mark in Egypt? Yeah. Um, And with the Coptic church and things like that. Are there other apostles that go into the North African region or even deeper into
2: Africa? I'm not familiar with other apostles going in there, but um, Christianity grew as a result of, yes, of Apostle Paul. I mean, Apostle, uh, I'm sorry, of um, Mark. Of, uh, Mark. Uh, he's credited with, uh, with being the apostle to Africa. And it may have been others, but he's the one that's accredited with mm-hmm. being the apostle to that region. What
1: other religions would have potentially been, I'm, I'm sure there would have been like, each tribe's own specific religion, but were there other religions as well, maybe from outside of the continent? Um.
2: Uh, so you mean outside of outside of Africa that were not uh, indigenous to Africa? Yeah,
1: perhaps. Um. I mean, not like tribal. You know, each this tribe has their own like religious um religious practice. Were there other bigger religions um that yeah. came into play on the continent too?
2: Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, a lot of Africa was Christianized, but over time that sort of waned because of the influence of Islam, because influence Islam became very influential because a lot of the traders were, were Muslims. So a lot of the uh, Africans did gravitate toward Islam. So Islam did have a, um, a took a, a foothold into Africa and it has a foothold today as well, yeah. and as well as Christianity does. So those are, those are the two main religions that have come to Africa uh, as you mentioned there were you know there are indigenous religions you know we had animism of course, which is the belief that there is a spirit in everything that lives you know the, the tree has a spirit uh, the, the rocks have have a spirit and it's sort of a difficult existence because you're trying you're trying to please, all of these different spirits you know and then there's you know, ancestor worship because you know that's the belief that that those who go on have influence over your life so you need to appease them so you're trying to appease all the spirits in the in the you know in the earth and you're trying to appease your ancestors and you know that could become different and difficult and some of and some of the tribes actually had polytheism where they believed that there were you know a multiple multiple or multiplex of gods and then there were there were tribes that, that had a combination of those like for instance the Fon people which um sort of turned into the homie uh kingdom mm-hmm. they, they they their religion was a mixture of 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 uh animism um uh, ancestor worship but they also did a lot of uh sacrifices human sacrifices their, their gods were pretty bloodthirsty. They would have festivals every year where they would decapitate uh, 500 people. And in some years they would gonna decapitate uh, thousands. And, and these were people who were taking the slaves from other tribes. They would, instead of selling them as slaves, they would just use them as human sacrifices. So yeah, Africa is seeing some uh, a, a difference, a plethora of religions. I'm glad I'm on this side. Yeah. So- yeah.
0: So rough. let me ask a little clarifying question there. Like, do you have any sense of the spread of Christianity into Africa prior to Islam coming into Africa? Like, how, what was the scope of the spread of Christianity hmm. into the continent?
2: Well, yeah, Christianity, um, for instance, like the, um, a uh, uh, kingdom around, um, uh, 400th, 4th century, uh, that's present day Ethiopia, they became Christians, and then right after them, after a couple of centuries, we had the uh, Nobadia, the uh, Bukaria, Lydia, they also were, uh, these were all Nubian kings. These were all uh, around where Ethiopia is at, where Sudan is at. These all turned uh, Christian, And all up and down the Nile during the fifth, sixth, and seventh centuries, uh, even uh, before and after the Arab request, there were um, Christian kingdoms in in Nubia that added to the Christian kingdoms that were already there, such as, you know, already there as part of Ethiopia and Sudan as well. So Christianity penetrated deep into uh, Africa. It wasn't just relegated. To the northern part of of Africa, it it went deep into the heart of Africa. Mm-hmm.
0: So when does when does Islam come into Africa? What what are roughly those dates that Islam starts spreading into Africa? Um,
2: not sure. I, I think maybe around seven hundred. That, that's what, Yeah, yeah. that's when it started to is when it became you know. We're going to take over the world, type of stuff, and of course, Africa would be part of that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Go ahead.
1: So then, we see it going south, um, Christianity going south, and we from that, especially that northeastern region, do we also see it spreading west?
2: It spread throughout uh, much of, of of Africa, and, and it's it sort of spread out west also because. If, if we look at, for instance, na- nations like Congo, they were Central Africa and West Africa mm-hmm. because it was, a, it was a, a, a huge region. You have a, a Bandai, which is a, an Africa that was also uh, Christian. You had um, a Gambia. So you did have Christianity spread all over all the various parts of Africa. It was at some point or another, most of Africa was Christianized.
1: Do we know by what century um, or like what year it, Christianity would have spread and started spreading West into maybe that Congo, um, you know, banana area? Well,
2: initially, um, I'm not sure of initially. I, we don't have dates for it initially. However, mm-hmm. However, we do know. So what happened? Is that over time, even though much of, of, of Africa was Christian, over time it did wane in certain parts of Christian, in, in sort of parts of Africa. So then after that happened, then a new wave of, of missionaries came from Europe, particular, particularly uh Portugal and Spain. And they brought uh Christianity to places like the Congo. And so um they, 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 they uh, brought the gospel to places like the Congo and some of those places that were, uh, were Christian before but had no longer become Christians. But what's interesting is that the Christianity that came to them from, from Europe was the same Christianity that was exported by Africa um, centuries later because Christianity was actually exported from Africa originally to Europe. Africa was the hotbed of intellectual thought, of what doctrines were uh, uh, formulated. It was the Christian incubator. Then during persecutions, those a lot of those people, a lot of those theologians, a lot of those uh, Christians fled to Europe. And, and once they fled to Europe, then there was a vacuum left in Africa. So some of those places reverted back to their traditional religions. But over time, then some of those um, uh, European missionaries came to Africa to uh, Bring the gospel that was once In Africa but had Lost but, but had gone because of Some of these um, regions Returning back to their um, Animism Or traditional religions hmm. okay. okay
0: No this is just really interesting This is like all new for me so I'm Just trying to process You know what, <laughs> what he's saying So um, I think that I want, um, maybe we can get into, I don't know where you want to go I think it's
1: interesting that, um, part of when you, when you look at history and you look at the slave trade and all of that, the idea of Christianity having once been in Africa and then Christianity, um, being, I say overrun by Islam or people con- converting to Islam or Christianity waning and going back to tribal religions, part of the slave trade initially was seen as being opportunities for mission. And so you would get people from Europe coming into um, like from England, coming into the African continent, taking slaves. You would get people from the Americas coming in and taking slaves, but they were doing so under this guise of mission work and um, evangelism, trying to, you know, Christianize the continent and things like that With out um some of the understanding that Christianity had been in Africa for centuries and yeah. actually went from Africa into Europe. And so there is this whole time period where you get this lull in um in African Christianity so to speak and then it picks back up again um I think partly as some of the the true missionaries would go from like England and evangelize the continent, but we, I think what we see more than anything is this, um, this surge of Islam and people returning to, to some of their tribal traditions.
2: Yeah. I did want to mention this though, because, you know, we're talking about Christianity and, you know, slavery, but keep in mind that slavery existed in Africa long before the white man came. 100%. Yeah. But not only that, um, as far as the Atlantic slave trade, as far as the slave trade to, to Europe and Middle East, the the Muslims were doing it before the Europeans got there. Mm-hmm. So the Muslims had actually, like, they had actually, like, showed them the way. <laughs> so the, the Europeans were like, didn't want to be a done. They came and they sort of did it at a higher scale. But they learned it from the Muslims who were the first ones to do it.
1: And I believe that they actually continue to do it even after, you know, the quote unquote white man had stopped doing it. So I yeah, think it's give, it's it's it today. Yeah, it, it's really interesting to dig into the history of Christianity and to think about, you know, what are we told in some of our theology classes like things that I've been told like what are what what are we believing and what do we understand about the growth of Christianity and how people have understood Christianity around the world not just in our American context because once we get out of our American context and understand Christianity in other nations we can see oh you know this is how Christianity has impacted you know the rest of the world or this is where and when Christianity came to this region so we can ask better questions
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and hear from our friends at Impact Three Hundred and Sixty. Then we're gonna come back, start taking your questions, and continue the conversation about American slavery and Christianity, and go a little deeper into that. So uh, sit tight. And here is our friends at Impact Three Hundred and Sixty. I'd, I'd, I'd always heard in church, like go and make disciples, um, and they'd always say that verse
2: and I'm like I don't really know what that looks like at all and then when I got here they taught me like everything I was curious to know about like progressive Christianity and how to talk to an
0: atheist and how to go about witnessing to someone without it being overly preachy or insincere and that helped me so much.
1: It's just been such an awesome week you know, going through these questions and really diving into them. And not just with me, but other Christians. It's not like an individual thing, it's a together thing. We're really strengthening our relationship with the Lord personally, but
0: also together. We have been given the greatest gift. We have been given life. And Propel has really made me realize once again how important it is to share that gift with the millions of people out there who don't have that gift that's just ripe for the taking. All right, once again, those are our friends at Impact 360. They have summer camps. Uh, They still are taking registrations for Propel, as far as we know. But you can also check out their other programs there, their Gap Year program, and uh, what they are up to to see if it'll be a good fit for your family to help in the discipleship and worldview training for your children. We'll be speaking there in July. Yes, we will. All right, let's do a couple questions. Let's go. All right, Dr. Felder, um, there's a question from Melissa, who's a newer uh, listener, she says, Can you expound more? I know she, she said it earlier. Oh, okay, gotcha. Hi, Melissa. <laughs> uh, can you expound on it more about Muslims taking slaves? This is new f- to her. I didn't so, realize this. I yeah. didn't realize yeah. this. So maybe yeah. talk a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah. Um, Muslims were, and, and this is one of the things that sort of, I guess, sort of frustrates me about. Um, we always hear about Christianity supposedly being a white man's religion and Christianity being anti-black people. But Muslims took slaves for, I mean, um, like I said, before the the, uh, the European missionaries arrived there. Before and, and after. We had, and although we, what's that? I said before and after. Yes, yes. Now, we always hear about the Atlanta sla- Atlantic slave trade where there were um, uh, slaves put on ships sent across the Atlantic. But what we don't hear about is the slave trade that the Muslims had where they would take slaves and they would march them across the Sahara Desert. And by some accounts one and two of them died along the way. There were just as many as not more Christians died going to Muslim countries than died going across the middle passage and that's what we don't hear about a lot
0: yeah we talked a bit about that last time too in your uh first appearance on the show so melissa that might be a good follow-up to this conversation is to go back and hear our discussion about slavery with dr felder from two years ago i guess um
1: i was gonna say yeah. sorry if you were to take and i mean you can you can literally just google map of like um Muslim slave trade.
2: Yeah.
1: And what you'll see is that there's, if you were to, you know, go basically from the top of the horn of Africa and kind of split it across, they would literally march people through um, a lot of Africa into, you know, the the more Muslim territories of the Middle East. But not only there, there was there's also routes that led into other places in Europe and things like that. Yeah, I'm going to look at the wrong camera. Um, that routes that led into Europe by sea and things like that as well. And the Muslim slave trade, and not that you can compare, you know, gruesomeness to gruesomeness, but the Muslim slave trade killed many more Africans than the transatlantic slave trade. Am I saying that to say the transatlantic slave, ooh, let's, you know, it's not that bad. No, I'm, I'm, not, not, trying that. No, I'm not trying to minimize it. Yeah. But we also need to keep in perspective the fact that one, Christianity itself as a religion did not invent slavery. Christianity um, as a religion does not condone slavery. I would not say that just because Christians, some Christians may have upheld slavery and participated in that, that our religion itself condones those things. I think that also should be threaded through a little bit more.
2: But, but I, I also want to point out that I believe Christianity is what ended slavery. Go ahead and, and preach. And, and here, here, here's my point. like, we mentioned before, I touched on, Christian, I mean, slavery has always existed. It is existed since the beginning of mankind. It is a stronger nation overtaking a weaker nation. It's always existed, you know, it's existed in Europe. It's existed in Africa. It's existed in, in, in uh, Asia. It's existed in the Americas before the first white man came here. Like I said, it has always existed. But what hasn't existed is something weird happened in the uh, 1700s, the abolitionist movement. Now, at the heart of the abolitionist movement was this idea that man was made in the image of God, that man had value because he was man. It started with the Quakers, who were the first ones to outlaw having slaves. So this idea, quote on, this idea that man is more than just uh, whatever we decide that man is, that that there's something inherently uh, uh, spiritual about man, that that man has some type of uh, 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 worth that we can't take away from another human being. So this is what actually grew the abolitionist movement. And the abolitionist movement is what actually foster the end of slavery as we know it around the world. And to be honest with you, we really want to go there. <laughs> we, I'm here for it, let's go. <laughs> to be honest with you, if it were not for the colonialists, because the colonialists were the ones, the British and stuff was the ones who you know, started the abolitionist movement because they had colonies in Africa, when they shut down the slavery, when they shut down slavery in Britain, Slavery was. They also shut down slavery in Africa. So slavery would probably still be going on in Africa if it were not for these countries becoming colonies that were under sort of the the um, well, maybe not control, but influence of of Britain. So so the the idea that Christianity is a slave religion is sort of the opposite of what it was. If it wasn't for Christianity, it. We borrow from Christian ideas all the time and we don't even realize this idea that man is made the image of God, this idea that man is is is, is 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 spiritual, this idea that man has worked beyond what people give it. Uh, this is a uniquely idea a uniquely Christian idea. You don't find this idea in Islam. You don't find this idea in, uh, in atheism that man is, that man is somehow uh, above all the creation, that man is made in the image of someone who's, uh, who's the creator of the universe. But only in Christianity do we have that. And when Christians who were involved in the slave trade started to realize this, they started to realize that, that slavery itself was wrong. not just for me but for everyone to the point where the British Navy used their naval authority to capture ships, to chink ships. They brought, they they brought in other nations who also did the same thing. They patrolled off the coast of Africa and took ships that, that were uh, involved in the slave trade. They overthrew African kings who would not give up the slave trade because there were a lot of African kings who did not want to give up the slave trade. They were deeply invested in the slave trade. So this idea of Christianity is the idea that truly set the captives free spiritually and physically. Let me fan you. Go ahead. I don't even know what that was, but I'm going to fan you for You're about
1: to make me do a shout up in here. All I need is an organ. Come on. Come on. Won't he do it? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no. And But that's so good. But what what is in to your to your point, what's frustrating is when we only hear one side of this conversation, especially in this current race focused narrative of, you know, Is Christianity the white man's religion? Should we be ashamed of Christianity? Are we, you know, participating in the religion of our oppressors and things like that? No, I'm not. Because the the religion of those who upheld slavery, especially those who use things like the slave Bible and um, twisted the scriptures to be able to support slavery, I would argue we're were not participating in true Christianity. So, but yes, that's a good word. Mm-mm-mm. You better go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, let's get back. All right, so I'm going to go
0: to Elaine's question next. um Dr. Felder, she asks So, did victims of the transatlantic slave trade already, in some cases, have a Christian faith? So, did they come to America as slaves, but maybe they had already? either adopted the faith or were familiar with with Christianity before they even came to America?
2: That's a very good question. And the answer is yes. So, So think about it. I talked about the fact that Christianity came to Africa soon after Pentecost and that it grew in Africa and it never disappeared from Africa. There were places that disappeared from, but it never completely disappeared from Africa. And I also talked about the fact that um, around the 1400s, we did have uh, Portugal and Spain uh, come as missionaries to certain parts of Africa, and they bought the same gospel that was exported to them centuries ago. So a lot of these nations then became Christian. And, and one of the main ones I want to mention is Congo. The Congo nation became Christian, um, Around the 14 1500s, they were Christian during the entire time of the slave trade. They, and, and King Alfonso was, he was baptized Alfonso. His and- name was Alfonso? <laughs> you better quit playing. They had Alfonso
1: way back then. Oh, Alfonso, not Alfonso. Oh, okay. Not Alfonso. I was like, Alfonso might be my great uncle. But it, okay, never mind.
2: But, yeah so and and he was one of the first ones he was it was Christian and he was Christian throughout the entire slave trade. So keep in mind that not only were they Christian, but they also evangelized those around them mm-hmm. and we knew we do know that the Congo were exporting Christians, and we know this for uh a number of reasons. One of the reasons is because we actually have a letter from the governor of one of the ports in Colombia who was writing to the king of Spain complaining that these these uh, um, that these slaves were coming in were black christians from the Congo because the Spanish didn't want christian slaves but the Congo didn't care they sent christian slaves everywhere they, the Congo you know they they sent they enslaved a lot of their own like um, if 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 you know there was a thriving slave trade after a while. And if the um there was on one occasion that there weren't enough slaves and the the king sent three or four, three or four hundred of his wives to be slaves. Uh if you were one of his tributary villages and you didn't pay tribute, okay, you would become slaves. If he didn't like you, you become slaves. Uh if if you were if you were his wife that got on the nerve, you become slaves. Uh, sure. If you were uh, a, a neighboring nation, you know, you become slaves. Even one of the ones that they that they um, led to Christianity. So we do know that. We do know that. But we also know through um, some scholars as well, and um, uh, like um, Cecile Fromont. And she talks about, she's a, um, an art historian, PhD at Yale University. She talks about how, uh, like, a lot of the, the slaves who went to, uh, to the Americas were already Christians. And we also, and she talks about the art in Brazil. There was art in Brazil that actually um, shows some of the, the, um, the, uh, the saints, and, and, and it was African art that was taken from, it was, it was Congolese art, but they made it in Brazil. So you could see the, the Christian influence. Then we also had the um, Angola, Church of Angola, because Christianity had penetrated that far. Now Angola, now this is very interesting. Angola were actually, uh, <laughs> they would actually, before they would send off slaves, they had they made sure that they were Christian. They would baptize them before they sent them off. Now, you know, this was the Catholic Church, it, as far as they were concerned, they baptized you, you were Christian. So, so in their mind, these, all these slaves that they sent out were Christian. But here's one I have for you that you probably never thought about, you probably never heard about. Have you heard about the Mandingo Warriors? And and if this name rings a bell, it's because Kunta Kinte yes. was a Mendinco warrior. Yes. If you ever watch the movie Roots and you watch the beginning of the movie, you see how Kunta Kinte was kidnapped by white man. All right. Well, first of all, that didn't happen. The only people who kidnapped slaves were the Portuguese. That was only in the 400s. In the, in the 400s. And that didn't last long because they realized that they didn't have to because they just buy them from the African chiefs, and while waste going into the going into the into the interior of the country, and people get malaria. That they had a high mortality rate, so they stopped doing that that real quick. So the Mendeke warriors would actually, they were one of the main middlemen doing the slave trades. They were the ones who were kidnapping their fellow Africans, and they would intentionally go to Central Africa. They would kidnap slaves and they would bring them back to the coast to be shipped off to the Americas. And what's interesting about the Medincos is that they only captured those who were non muslim So they would target Christians and those who follow um, the traditional religions as those who would be slaves. So considering these three things alone, there were other nations also that were involved in, in slavery that were Christian. But just considering these three, I would say a significant portion of slaves who came to the Americas were Christians or familiar with Christianity.
1: Yes. And what I read, there were um, what I've been reading. There's there were definitely more Muslims that were sent over in from some regions, but that there is a sizable amount. um, And from what I find, the statistics vary. Um, some people are as little as, you know, 20 percent. Some are 35 percent. You know, what during the, the slave trade time to the Americas would have had some kind of touch with Christianity or would have been, you know, confessing Christians who understood the faith. But it really depended on a lot of the region that they came from yeah. and, yeah. you know, like who evangelized their their community.
0: Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Wow, I have so many questions. Um, (laughs) I mean, okay, first of all, this idea that it was black Africans who were kind of capturing and kidnapping each other, maybe rival tribes or whatever, and then selling them to slave traders. I guess the argument could be, well, they were just fulfilling the market demands of white people. And white people are still responsible for all the slavery in Africa because if they hadn't shown up, they wouldn't, the, 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 the Africans wouldn't have been incentivized to kidnap one another and throw them in to sell them to white people. It, I I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. No, I you,
2: I definitely have. Okay, go ahead. That. You get it, and I'm gonna come in next. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: okay, okay, no, okay. Tag team. I mean, have Back you heard? Again. Is yeah. this an
2: objection? I, I'm. Go, go ahead. Okay, so keep in mind now that, like I said, that that they were slaves. They were taking each other as slaves long before the white man. I will make the point that slavery saved some of their lives. And, 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 and here's why I say that. Because before the white man came, that when one nation overtook another nation, they would generally kill the men and take the women as slaves. As a matter of fact, when the, uh, the British approached the, uh, it was the homie and said, you know, we want to do away with slavery. We want you to do away with slavery. And his response to him was, then if that is the case, when I take my neighbors, I will kill them. If I can't sell them, then I will kill them. So I could also make the argument that a number of people were saved because of slavery.
0: Now, you're now, right. These are very them, controversial claims. Right, right. I, I mean, people right. be coming
2: for us with, right. with this. <laughs> right. All right. But that, that is That is the case. You're right. It did increase the market, but it also saved some because because there were slaves who were taken. Depending on what time of year you were taken, you may or may not be killed. If you were taken, if you were taken by a, a rival African tribe during harvest time, they would allow you to live so that you can work their plantations. If they took you after that time, then the chances are they would kill you because they had no use for you and there was no reason why they would want to feed you and because you're mostly dead weight. So. Did you want to respond to the
1: I would say that that slavery was happening in Africa before white people got there. And so to say that white people just increased the market value or kept the market value going, slavery would have continued whether white people arrived or not. I think white people going. Um, allowed for slavery to spread to lands where it might not have been. But we also can appreciate the fact that it was a lot of um, like white abolitionists who then came into Africa and also said, no, these people have equal dignity, value and worth. And in our faith, we do not own people. And so I am not I mean, I, I think that some people can put that argument forward and say, well, you know, White people allowed for this to, to happen and things like that, but it was already happening. It was already happening in mass amounts early on. Um, Dr. Felder mentioned the Dohemi tribe, and they are oh I think they're featured in that movie Woman King maybe, yeah, but yeah. Um, they they were brutal. But they and they sold people and they like they have this this whole way of of being. But that was before white people got there, and so there was a lot. You can go down into Southern Africa and see the the war crimes and the the slavery and things like that that happened on the continent without the influence of white people. You you just need human hearts that are kind of sinful and colluding together. And if I collude to try to conquer you and then take you and make you my subject. That's that's the nature of our sinful heart and how we are bent on conquering and subduing. And I don't know that that's too far out from what, I mean, it, it's the sinful a- impact or the sinful aspect of it. But in Genesis 1 or 2, God instructs man and woman to go out and to subdue. And so I think what happens is that we get this sinful component to it. We get this post fall state where now the command from Genesis to go out and to subdue and to bring all things under now includes humans because I'm sinful. It wasn't meant to include humans.
2: And and also keep in mind what I said before. Also, uh, the fact that um, because of the abolitionist movement and because some of these nations were uh, subjects to these European powers, slavery was ended in Africa, for the most part. I mean, there's still in places in, in uh, some Muslim parts of Africa right now where they they take Christian slaves. Mm-hmm. But if so, we talk about the negative influence of colonization, but like we also need to, we also need to talk about the positive because if it wasn't for that, then slavery would still exist because it was because these nations were under the colonial rule that they were able to stop slavery in these in these nations in africa as well so um, we have to keep that in mind as well okay so uh,
0: now i have another question because i hear a frequent concern i'd love to have both of you weigh in on this that well if it, if it hadn't been for slavery um the descendants of slaves wouldn't wouldn't have abandoned their tribal native tribal religions you know and that there is this renewal movement mm-hmm. calling the descendants of of slaves back into african spiritualism and in my theological opinion which is just really witchcraft and something that the bible strongly condemns but but that is seen as to be a real authentic descendant of of a slave you ought to return to the religion of your ancestors you ought to return to african spiritualism i'm I'm wondering if i'd love to hear both of you guys weigh in on that
2: okay so here's my point my point is that like for instance um Thomas Oden, in his book, How Africa Shaped the Christian Mind, Rediscovering the Africa Seabed of Western Christianity, he makes the point that Christianity is a traditional African religion. Mm -hmm. Christianity was in Africa before Islam came to Africa. So so a lot of Africa, like we we just make the point, a lot of these Christians who left Africa left as Christians. So, and, and, and I think the only reason we are hearing this is because of this Still, this still deep belief that somehow Christianity is a white man's religion. So going back to traditional um, of religions is somehow getting getting back to your black roots. But that I thought we dispelled that. That Christianity is not the white man's religion. Christianity is part of your African roots. So what are you trying to get back to?
1: I would say the same that
0: have you heard this objection? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Yeah, That you need to leave the
1: the the, you know, colonized church and go back to your African roots and go back to African spiritualism and all of that. I think it's I think it's a conversation of providence. So when when we think of slavery and we think of those who, um, you know, the African descendants of slaves who may have received Christianity or learned Christianity through um, like word of mouth tradition from other slaves and things like that. Is that not part of God's providential design because African spiritualism is not going to get me to heaven. You know what I mean? Like there's only one way and you must worship the correct God. And so if I was a part of African spiritualism, as an african back in you know the home country and i came here as a slave and i learned about the the true faith of jesus i would say that is that is providence to some to some degree, I have to look at God's providential design. And I think that that's a hard word for people. I think somebody yeah. would say, you know, you, you so now you think, you know, slavery was providential. Well, we have to remember that we don't settle in these temporary moments. In these temporary moments here on earth, we are going to have hardship and there will be blessing and everything in, in between. But what is it all pointing toward? What should my goal be? My goal should be where my soul will rest. And yeah, so... I, I, I kind of tend to look at it as, as providence as well and want to enter that part of the conversation into things so that it's not like, oh, I, this religion was forced on me. If you understood what you received, you would say that it was part of God's grace and providence.
2: Right, and, and I would like to add to that as well is that, you know, so this idea that going back to your traditional religions is something we should do because they are African. Well, you know, all religions can't be true. Just because they were the religions that your know, ancestors, you I mean, used or worship, doesn't mean it was right, doesn't mean it was true. So just going back to something, just for the sense of going back to it makes absolutely no sense. You know, I'm a Christian because it's true, because it's rooted in truth, not because my ancestors did it. I mean, I was an atheist for a lot of my life. So, you know, I, I investigated, you know the nation of Islam and all that. I'm a Christian because it's true, not because of what somebody else did in my past.
0: Yeah, that's that's really helpful, and and you, you guys are just touching on so many, I think, important objections related to to slavery. I think that the it's a it's an emotional subject, and I think that that makes it difficult to talk about sometimes, and and again, we don't want to minimize the the cruelty and horror of human slavery but at the same time we also want to acknowledge slavery is happening right now as we are doing this show we have not stamped it out we've stamped it out in some places and there's more work to do and there was slavery before the transatlantic slavery because as we said earlier it's it's part of the human condition i mean uh, it. It's it's a sad part of how we inappropriately, I think, God appointed us to govern and to rule and reign over the creation. And in our sinfulness, we try to rule and reign over each other mm-hmm. in, and do it, 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 you know, in a very wicked way at times. So this is good stuff. Um, maybe uh, talk to us a little bit about resources. I know you mentioned Dr. Odin's book is a is a great resource. What are some of the resources that you've used in your research that you could maybe point people to who are wanting to do more, more digging on this topic?
2: Well, of course, um, the African-American Guide to the Bible, shameless plug, is a great resource for you as well. Uh, I actually wrote an article called um, This Christianity of White Man's Religion. It's on ratiochristi.org. Um, I go into a lot of stuff there. Um, Elizabeth I, I'm going to have a hard time to, uh, pronouncing her last name Isiche Elizabeth Isiche wrote a book called A History of Christianity in Africa I think that's that's also a good resource and I guess I also mentioned Thomas C. Oden um, Thomas Sowell is what actually got me in this reading, reading some of his material Thomas Sowell uh, S-O-W-E-L-L so those are all good resources to, to if you want to further this. Now, I, I did have a book that I read called the uh hold on, let me think. The slave trade. But this this is it's, it's by Hugh Thomas, but it is a beast of a book. <laughs> it is not for the faint of heart. But if you really wanted to go deep into it, uh, knock yourself out. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It
0: looks like it's 800 pages or more. It is. (laughs) Wow. Well, very good. This has been uh, very helpful. And I I think that, um, you know, you're giving us a lot of things to think about. Uh, And there was a question, and I don't know if you want to comment on it. I'm going to try to see if I can find it back here. There's one more question. Earlier, uh, this is with um, Jenny's Jenny's question, Bob. You'll have to scroll up a little bit. Um, earlier, you made the claim where she was wanting to follow up. Where in Europe did Christianity start taking hold? So when... It, it would seem it would start in Eastern Europe if it came from the Middle East, but it would start... Right more in the center or the West if it came from Africa. So talk to us a little bit more about that interchange between Europe and Africa early in Christianity.
2: Yeah, well, also when uh, Constantine started um, looking at Christianity and he wanted um, his clergy to learn more about Christianity, uh, they got their theologians from Africa and uh so that's how some of them did now some of the ones that left africa um as, as far as doing the persecutions doing nero they were just i mean they was just all over the place it just there was no to my knowledge just no one particular place where they, where they just scattered across the <laughs> across the region
0: all right well hopefully that helps jenny hopefully we addressed your question there's also some great comments in there um about Constantine as well so thank you so much Dr. Felder yes thank you very much thank you thank you for having me yeah it's been great so everyone go check out Dr. Felder's book African the African-American Guide to the Bible it's a wonderful book really addresses a lot of the key objections that come up when it comes to talking to your African-American friends about the faith. The whole first half, though, really can't be missed because that's where Dr. Felder is establishing that Christianity is true, Mm -hmm. which is the point that he was making earlier, is that that is really the most important issue is, is it true? And then the second half of the book is is addressing a lot of these common objections. So,
1: Auntie Linda's in the chat. She said, yes, his book is so great.
0: Yeah. She was in your book group yeah. when, we, when we did it about oh, okay, the book group. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, so, all
0: right. Well, thank you so much. Thank I know it's you. late there. Thanks for staying up.
2: Well, Thanks again for having me.
0: I appreciate it. Right. Thank you. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye. All right. Yes. And also, thank you, Sylvia, for putting that in the chat. Uh, Dr. Felder's uh, booklet that he did. For our friends at Ratio Christi. Christi. Yes. yes. On Is Christianity the White Man's Religion?
1: All right. Such a wealth of information.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, all right. So we got one more short thing. We've had a couple of people write into the ministry with a question about a bill in the state of California. It's, there's a story on the Fox News website about whether or not the state of California is... Going, going to, to hopefully <laughs> going to criminalize parents for refusing gender affirming care I guess the answer would so just plain our state here in in the great state of California is continuing its incremental approach toward normalization and This is so.
1: I am sorry. This uh, you just we just got to call a spade a spade. This is just demonic. Like it is. It is sinful. It is demonic. It is. It is not just a slight attempt, but a straight out just. I feel like our government is standing in the face of parents and saying, "I wish you would." It's kind of like you probably never had a fight, but if you was ever on a fight, you like in the playground and being like, "I wish you would." Like. I feel like that's what our government is is saying to parents. Like, I wish you would try to raise your kid. I wish you would try to have a value that's outside of ours. And we will show you what, what we will do. Like this bill, um, it, it goes into, maybe, I don't know if you want to put it up so we can yeah, look at it.
0: Yeah. So Bob's going to, I did the the deeper dive. I found the bill on the California legislature website. So we want to notice a few things. Uh, Bob, can you scroll up just a hair here on this? Um, Right there. So, it was introduced February 14th. Uh, It was amended in the Assembly, which is, again, California only, on um, March 13th. And then this past week, it was amended in the Senate. So, we're going to scroll down here and just show you the relevant part. Bob, look for the blue lettering a little bit. Uh, Yeah. So, this bill, for purposes of this provision, would include a parent's affirmation of the child's identity as part of health, safety, and welfare of the child. So they're redefining what that phrase means of health, safety, and welfare. So scroll down a little bit more. And there we go, section one. So what this is specifically about, as far as we can understand, it, again, we're not attorneys, but as far as we can understand it, it's it's looking at child custody battles. So when you're deciding where to place a child and, and how parents will share custody. One of the redefinitions of one of the criteria that's being considered is health, safety and welfare of the child. Now that's being redefined to include a parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity.
1: Yeah. So it used to be, you know, do we have eggs? Do we have milk? Does a child have a bed or You know, is there no bed and the child needs to sleep on the floor? Are there screens on the windows? Um, You know, who's coming in and out of the house? Are there drugs in the house? Does the child have access to clean water? Things that normal people would be like, yes, we need to consider these things when looking at where a child is going to be placed, especially when we're looking at custodial issues. Courts generally tend to favor the mother. And so, you know, nine... I don't even want to say nine times that day, but a large percentage of of times in custody battles, custody hearings. If if it's going to be a split, it's going to be 49, 51. 51% of the time it's going to be with the mother. But that could shift. And I mean, not shift like, oh, well, you know, the mother doesn't can't actually provide for the child. But the mother doesn't affirm, you know the the gender affirming care that the child may want, or the mother the father may be um, ill suited to raise this child, but the father does affirm gender you know affirming care there is a reason I believe in reading the bill that there could potentially be higher interest given to the the placement with the father who may not be in the best interest of the child. Now, well people always say and you know proponents of this bill say we always want to make sure that the child's best interests are upheld. Sure they're gonna say that. But what are what's being considered in the best interests. Well, now it's gender affirming care. So it's, it's more than just the meat and potatoes on the table, the roof over the head, the clean water. Are you affirming of the gender? So if all things are equal, the parent who affirms the gender ideology most likely would be given some kind of preference.
0: And I think that the, the rejoinder that you're going to hear when you talk to people is that, uh, well, it's just one of the criteria. It's not the whole criteria, and so that's going to be what's coming forward. Our question is is, should it be a criteria at all? Yeah, um, but I think the other th- question that people are raising is, uh, how far behind is it going to be that the custody issue could be framed as child abuse? That if the if one of the parents isn't affirming of the child's gender, or you have one parent that's really pushing that on the child, and another parent who's trying to resist that, would the the parent that's resisting it be seen as withholding safety or harming the child's health because of the emotional blackmail that they're putting parents through with saying that um, well if you don't affirm these things, then the child will kill themselves. Well, no parent wants their child to kill themselves. Uh, but the the question is 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 this opening a door then for some parents to be the non affirming parent to be um, accused of child abuse or neglect?
1: Yeah, and I think um, California has already set or established some of that precedent in a bill that they passed last year. It's SB is it one hundred six? Um, where children fleeing from parents in other states that you know say, Hey, we're not going to support your gender transition or gender affirming care. Well, those minors can come to California and find refuge here, and so I'm not really sure what to say about our government at this point. Um, well,
0: I think this is really what we have to get clear about as Christians, and hopefully, you're doing this in your conversations with your Christian friends is to help them understand that this is now a state sanctioned religion and Mm -hmm. that we are, we have a different worldview and, and you know, take them back to Genesis, you know, chapter one, Uh, we're just talking about slavery earlier and the, the, the dignity, value and worth of all humans that's founded in Genesis one, but male and female is also founded in Genesis one. And we have to understand that, this is a worldview issue. And so this is when, when people come to us and say, well, I don't want to talk about politics. You know, I just want to vote. I don't think voting has anything to do with my faith. It's just, you know, that's politics. I don't want to talk about politics. I want to keep politics out of the church. Well, here here's my problem with that is we're in a in a moment. We're not in the um, neutral, kind of more neut- culturally neutral moments that we were in prior to 2015 and and the passage of what some people call gay marriage, Uh we're we're in a a, a moment now where we can't just go with oh, talk over coffee with someone and you know we're going to kind of come to an understanding and tolerance and that's not the the moment we're living in. We're we're living in a moment where there is quickly becoming a state sanctioned religion that no one is allowed to question. And we are definitely entering into you know, a posture of being a religious minority.
1: I would say to find out more information about what she's talking about, check out the family meeting from this week where she definitely talks about why are all of these things being pushed and how does the U.N. come in to play with that and, you know, different things like that. But we don't have time to get into that. tonight. Yeah. But look at the family meeting from this week and you will see a lot of that that history. Um But yes, I I definitely think that parents are, if you haven't already reconsidered and you're living in California, um, reconsidered your educational options. I would say now is definitely the time. Um, Washington just passed, and Elaine put this in the comments, but yes, like Washington, Washington recently passed a very similar bill into law. So in California, it is not law yet. Our governor has not signed off on it. It's passed the House and it's passed the Senate in Washington they actually made it law i believe um at the end of may sometime in may they made it into law and so we are you know waiting to see if it will actually be signed into law that um that you know this idea of health safety and welfare must also include gender affirming care or in and a parents um affirmation of of their child's transition and Trans
0: ideology. So uh, Melissa's new to the program. She's asking, What's the family meeting? Oh, Melissa, come hang out. So the family meeting
1: happens every Thursday that we're in town. Um, And it's really just a chance for all of us to get online and hang out. And we have prayer requests and people put questions in and we'll talk about something that's like culturally relevant that week that's happening or we'll, you know, maybe just. uh, I, me, I just hop on and I'm like, what are we going to talk about? Krista has a whole spreadsheet and all kind of stuff. So depending on who you get, you're going to get something very, very different. But it's just our time to, to hang out. It's kind of like a cousin's reunion once a week when we're in town.
0: Yeah, and we kind of often look at current events of that week. What's silliness on Twitter that we might comment on from a worldview perspective, you know, uh, have you seen this in Twitter about race? Have you seen this or that about queer issues? And we just comment on it and try to help. We try to make it somewhat equipping to as we do that. But uh, yeah, that's the family meeting. It's on Thursdays. And if you can't tune in live, it's available on podcast or on replay on YouTube. Facebook and YouTube.
1: All right. Family update time. Yep. Yes. And Elaine says, if you're lucky, you get Sassy Mo, my favorite ah there's 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 petty mo and sassy mo and you know (laughs) holy mo holy mo we trying to we trying to increase holy mo's time (laughs) holy mo's a struggle (laughs) My goodness. Okay, you guys. Well, thank you for being with us tonight. It's been a joy to have the opportunity to be with you. Please check out the Center for Biblical Unity online. Sign up for our weekly digital newsletter. We don't spam you and stuff like that. We send you one newsletter a week that kind of recaps the things that we've talked about this week,
0: including this episode. And so with that, is there anything else? Make sure that you know that the newsletter is the one and only way to stay in touch with us because we know that because of the nature of many of the topics that we talk about, uh, we may not be on social media for that much longer. So if you want to stay connected to us, only 2% of you are seeing our content anyways on social media. Only 2% of our followers actually see our content. So it's very important. Whenever you do see it, go interact with it, comment, like, and all of that. But Getting the, di- the weekly digital newsletter is the only way to stay in touch with us that is reliable and um, will stay connected as a family. Also, don't forget our shirt fundraiser this month, our Promise shirt, and we're celebrating Noahic Covenant Month here at the Center for Biblical Unity. And for $30, you can help us raise support for marketing for our upcoming book. And with that we Bye. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram,
2: or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.